days we appreciate your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost as well. And I want you just to come and give us what's on your heart today. Just obey God. Amen. Tell us what the Lord has to say today. God bless you. Let's love you. Amen. Let's love you. I just want to weep in his presence today. I just want to weep in his presence. Let's love him for a while. Oh, God. Oh, Let's just forget about formality this morning. <laughs> I love you, God. You've been so good to me. You've been so good to me, God. God, you've been so good to me.
You have your Bibles if you turn me to John, the eighth chapter. Starting to the first verse. Wow. Jesus went up unto the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they heard it, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, what sweeter words have ever been spoken. But go with me back to the last portion of verse number 6 again where it states, But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Notice that after hearing the accusation made against the woman caught in the very act of adultery and after listening to the scribes and the Pharisees make their statement of what the law commanded to be done and then snidely asking Jesus what he had to say about that, Jesus acted like he didn't even hear them. His first response was to say absolutely nothing, but rather he just stooped down, took his finger and began to write on the ground. It's from this portion of verse where Jesus writes with his finger on the ground. I want to take my text, preach from the subject, when God writes. When God writes. Brother Riggin, could you pray?
Jesus. Yes, God. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for standing so long. Amen. Be seated. Writing is said to be one of the visual representations of language through the use of some form of established selection of markings and or symbols. The, the written word is without a doubt the most single, most important means of communication and stored information available to humans and has served and still does serve as the foundation for virtually all types of information technologies from the earliest etchings on the walls of caves on clay or stone to the world of digital technology that we enjoy today. I believe I could safely say that writing is the single most fundamental social and technological advancement, amen, that has shaped our world. For without the ability to write and the capability uh, to read that writing, no one would be able to communicate. If you were to research the history of writing, uh, you would learn that it is said to have developed uh, independently in three different regions of the world the Middle East, China, and Mesoamerica regions. If you're unfamiliar with this region, amen, it's that area extending southward from around Central America to include Belize, Guatemala, uh, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and northern Costa Rica. Writing was first used to uh, develop out of a necessity for keeping records of goods. Uh, in time, its use expanded. Uh, and that meant new ways to express and interpret the symbols that had to be developed. Amen. The basic stages in the history of writing are pictograph, ideograph, rebus writing, and the progressive development of what we currently call the phonetic alphabet. Amen. Although we generally give credit, amen, uh, for the alphabet to the Phoenicians, uh, that's the term from where phonetics comes, it seems that the Egyptians also had an alphabet uh, of sorts uh, that the Phoenicians drew upon. Uh, the Greeks completed the process, amen, by adding vowels, which the Egyptians uh, and the Phoenician system lacked. And so though a natural progression of language, culture, script, and necessity, those eagerly practices, early practices, excuse me, uh, eventually became the foundation for modern written word. However, I didn't come to this pulpit today just to give you a history lesson about writing. In fact, what uh, history does not tell you that, in fact, long before men began to write, uh, God was the written word. For in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse number 1 and 2, we read, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That's why and how the psalmist could declare in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech 
nor language where their voice is not heard. That is also why we can hear in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 15, verse number 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, uh, that we through patience and comfort of Scripture might have hope. Uh, can somebody say amen? Uh, you see, when God writes, uh, his penmanship is clear. It is concise. It is unmistakable. And his word has an answer for every issue, for every problem and every obstacle that you're facing in your life. Uh, God's word holds a distinct and perceptible clarity that the writings of mere men do not hold. Uh, when we read on a little further in the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, we read that entire uh, verse number 14 says, The Word was made flesh uh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Because the Word was made flesh, God's Word is the very foundation of our walk with Him. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 tells us, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. God's Word not only holds the key to salvation, it is our only source of salvation. Uh, somebody say amen. This is why 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 informs us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. No wonder 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 states, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Ah, why don't someone in this place today lift up your hands right now and begin to thank God for not only the written word of God, but if you have the Holy Ghost, why don't you thank him for the very word of God that lives in you? Oh, somebody praise him right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. There are three distinct times recorded in the scriptures where the hand of God physically writes. Three times are recorded where the hand of God wrote. We find that he wrote law, he wrote judgment, and he wrote forgiveness. The first time that the hand of God wrote was when God called Moses up on Mount Sinai and gave him what has been known as the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 1, uh, ch chapter 31, verse 8, it says, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him, uh, upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but the Ten Commandments were the law of God. Uh, 
given to men to show us the difference between right and wrong, to show us how to pattern our lives, uh, to show us what sin is, uh, and to show us what we should and should not do. Uh, and they are commandments, not just suggestions. Some people claim they don't know or understand what sin is. But the short definition is simply to say that sin is anything that goes against the law of God. We somehow have forgotten that simple truth. And we have allowed ourselves to become accustomed to sin. We live in a world that says it's all right for a man and a woman to live together and not be married. But God's law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, we live in a society that says homosexuality is nothing more than an alternate lifestyle. But God's law says thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. We have a government that's passed laws that, that says it's all right to abort babies. But God's law says thou shalt not kill. Uh, further, God says, uh, amen, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Uh, and as God's word tells us in Romans chapter 2, 11, For there is no respect to persons with God. Then he knows every child before conception. I got to move on. But let me say, I don't care how many perverse and abominable laws our government writes, they can never legislate enough laws to supersede God's law. Ah, uh, somebody praise his name right now. No wonder the psalmist could speak. In Psalm 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And why he would continue in that same chapter, verse 133, to say, Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Amen. Another version words this same verse, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. The second time the hand of God wrote, he wrote judgment. For we read in Daniel chapter 5 where Belshazzar the king was having a party. He commanded that the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God be brought out. And all those who attended the party started drinking wine out of those vessels that were once used in the house of God. As they drank their wine and praised their gods of gold and silver and of brass, iron and wood and stone, verse 5 tells us, in that same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster on the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Most and many of us know the rest of the story uh, uh, that no one could interpret the words many, many tiko you farsen uh, that were written on the wall until Daniel was brought in uh, and he tells Belshazzar that the judgment is coming uh, because he's not humbled his heart, uh, amen, before God because he had basically thumbed his nose uh, at God's law and now he would be judged. Uh, he tells Belshazzar, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Uh, thou art weighed in the balances and art found 
wanting. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. King Belshazzar thought nothing of God's law, and because of his fleshly arrogance, the hand of God wrote judgment. Oh, God, I feel I need to stop here for just a minute, long enough to say that each of us individually or as a church collectively pay attention to God's law. If we'll exalt our flesh and continue to ignore the word of God that's preached across this pulpit and we refuse to see sin as sin, we will be judged. Make no mistake, God will judge us. Oh, we cannot continue to sin. We cannot continue to allow sin to creep into our lives and our church. That's why the Apostle Paul posed the question in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? God help us to understand we cannot continue to sin. For Galatians 6 and 7 warns us, be not deceived. God is not mocked, so for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I don't want the hand of God to write judgment in my life. God, I need you to write mercy. I need you to write grace. Oh, God, is anybody here thankful for the mercy of God in your life? Oh, God. In the verses where we've taken our text today, it's where we read that the hand of God writes for the third time. And this time it's not law or judgment that's written. But this time his hand writes mercy and forgiveness. The story of this woman caught in the very act of adultery was nothing more than a setup. The scribes and Pharisees were hateful and vindictive, and they chose to expose her as a means of setting a trap for Jesus. They hated Jesus because he had rebuked them, and he exposed them for what they were. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 23, he reproved them and said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to done and not leave the other undone. The accusers came, dragging this woman spouting their hateful and revised theology by contemptuously and disdainfully saying, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. Amen. In the very act. Uh, now Moses uh, in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Verse 6 informs us that the only reason they said this was to tempt Jesus, that they might have something to accuse him of. But all Jesus did was ignore them. He just stooped down and began to write on the ground. As though he didn't even hear them. They continued with their railing accusation and sarcastic questioning. And all Jesus does is answer them briefly by saying, He that's without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Then he stoops back down and goes back to writing on the ground. 
I've often wondered, Elder, what he wrote. I wonder if he began to expose sin in some of those men's lives. Because verse 9 says that all the accusers which heard it were convicted by their own conscience. One by one, beginning to the eldest unto the very last, they began to slink away. And Jesus was left alone. A woman standing in the midst. All he saw was a pile of stones left behind by the woman's former accusers. The best and beautiful part of this story is when Jesus looks at the woman and asks her, He said, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Where are they at? And when she replies, No man, Lord. Jesus very lovingly and forgivingly tells her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God wrote grace and mercy and forgiveness in my life. If you're glad that God has written forgiveness in your life, why don't you lift your hands and praise Him right now? Oh, I love you, Jesus. We are set up by the enemy of our soul. The book of Revelation calls him the accuser of the brethren who wants nothing more than to destroy each one of us. He knows our weaknesses and he lies in wait to tempt you and to get you to fail. Oh, when you fail, he laughs and throws it in your face to try and keep you under his cloud of failure and bondage. But I've come to this pulpit with a message for someone that's in the house today. I've come to this pulpit to tell you that Jesus has another plan for you when you fail. It's called repentance and forgiveness. Oh, somebody praise him. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, assures us of God's forgiveness when it states, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be unto me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother. Amen. Say, know the Lord for all shall know me for the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Then again, just two chapters farther along in Hebrews. Amen. Chapter 10 verses 16 through 18. God says this. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Then the apostle John comes along in 1 John chapter 1 verse number 9 and sums it all up by stating if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness oh thank you Jesus when we repent and turn from our old life God doesn't keep throwing our former sin back in our face and command us to repent over and over again yet Satan 
Satan continues to steal, kill, and destroy each one of us. And if we'll continually find ourselves surrounded by accusations, amen, and temptation and failure and troubles and trials and difficulties, our own shortcomings and weaknesses, along with fear and regret. But we're not alone in the midst of this continuous assault from hell on our souls. Jesus is with us. Amen. The accusation falls on the deafened ears of a Savior who already knows, a Savior who loves, a Savior who cares. And Jesus begins to write. He writes, not in the sands where the winds of time will wash away his message. But he writes upon the parchment of my life. He writes not with an ordinary pen, but with his own nail-scarred hand and his own sinless blood. And for the guilty, he writes pardoned. For the sinner, he writes forgiven. For the sick, he writes healed. For the bound, he writes freedom. For the backslider, he writes restoration. For the addicted, he writes delivered. For the weary, he writes rest and refresh. For the slave, he writes redemption. For the hungry and thirsty, he writes satisfied. For the broken, he writes mended. For the outcast, he writes adopted. For the weak, he writes strength. For the failure, he writes success. To the lost, he writes found and to the rejected he writes accepted I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see oh that's what he wrote amen no matter what words are written the accuser sees them with clarity and reads them with conviction because the writing of God is clear he writes forgiveness the enemy must drop his stones and flee when we run to the amen to the master musicians please come But we must also read the writing. Because Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. When we fail to read the writing, we continue living in sin below God's blessings, His mercy, and forgiveness. It's not always easy to give up and allow God to write in our lives. We think we know what's best for us. We need to know the plan. We think we don't have time to wait on God to write. Because I have found that when he's writing, I often don't see much more than the next step of faith. When he's writing, there are often unexpected plots, twists, and turns in the road that leave me overwhelmed and saying, I didn't see that coming. When he's writing, I'm not the one that's in control. I'm under his control. 
And I have to constantly fight the urge to write the story myself and to write in characters and scenes where I think they should be instead of allowing God to write. So I fight every fleshly urge to know the future, to be in control, to speed up the story. And I allow him to write. Because he is writing and unfolding his masterpiece. I find true peace. When he's writing, I realize that I have everything that I need. When he's writing, I face and overcome all my fears. When he's writing, everything in me that I'm ashamed of rises to the surface. And he takes it away. When he's writing, I become the vessel he wants me to be. Stand with me. Wherever and whatever you face today look at the writing of God are you inside the circle of guilt today are you surrounded by the accusers have you been set up by the enemy and feel like now you find yourself a pawn in his game of sin do you feel rejected alone betrayed broken let him write I said let him write let him write in the sands of your life today these altars are open I'm asking you to come God has been in this service from the very beginning I'm just going to fall at his feet and weep.